0: Voice Music Podcast, hosted by Cashmere.
1: tuning into the second episode of the second season of the Bass Music Podcast. We have a massive guest today. His name is Devin Krause. But first, we got an hour of new music to get through. First up, a song called Gaslit by Bass 2. All right, here we go. Shins. Yeah. All right, next up we got the Benji Robot remix of Mersive's song Digital Eden. All right, this out on More Flow Records.
2: I've been lost since teen, 20s hit me repeat, let my life just be, yeah a nigga need a breeze. I've been lost since teen, 20s hit me repeat, let my life just be, be, that's the way, that's the way.
1: up we got Adame the song called Be Like You up, we got below a song called Rain Dance. pathetic and shattered song is called dreamscape it's a headbang society premiere all right let's go
0: To the Bass Music Podcast.
1: All right, all right, all right. Next up, we got Lavier. Song is called On the Beat. Alright, here we go. Bo. Synthesthesia by Unknown Novello's song called On Low Freak Records, it's called The Way by Small.
0: Ready to colonize the planet. Please press the enter key.
1: Try this now.
0: Provide
2: you with
0: crew. We're counting on you. Now you're ready
3: to colonize the planet.
0: the enter
1: key Try this now now now, now. Excellent work.
0: You now have the ability to create the robust economy necessary to support the creation and expansion.
1: All right, this one is called No Competition. It's by Z Duggy, the Headbang Society Premier. my are only so just
2: superstitious. Superstitious. Fuck bumping and trunks stomping no competition, no competition. They don't hey, 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 my religion. Ops are only just superstitious. Superstitious. make bad- me bumping and trunks stomping no competition, competition. No competition, competition, no competition. No competition, no competition, no competition. No competition. No competition. No competition
1: we got shark and massive the song is called It's called Contact, it's out on Sound Museum.
2: Rules yourself.
1: See by controller. Well, thanks for joining me. Yeah, of course. Want to introduce yourself a little bit? <laughs> sure. Um, so my name is uh, Devin Cruz.
3: I'm a uh, music producer currently based out of Portland, Oregon. Uh, I make everything from down tempo to dubstep to halftime, mostly uh, instrumental, a lot of guitar work and things like that in there. Um, and yeah, cool. I think that's...
1: Yeah, well, uh, how how old are you? I'm 32. Okay, gotcha. Well, (laughs) thank you for pronouncing your name so that I could realize I've been saying it wrong this whole time. (laughs) That's you and like everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my last name is Galiszewski, so I'm very used to it. I'm very (laughs) used to it. And Kashmir is the first name, so nobody ever believes me. (laughs) Galiszewski, you said? It's very Polish, yes. Uh, It's
3: incredibly Polish.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, dude, I was just jamming on the Couch Fam mixtape before this, and uh, just mad props, man. I'm so happy for you that that's been getting a lot of views. It's been, yeah, it's
3: been doing well. Now I just need to get off my ass and get some of those tunes released. But uh, it's... uh... (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's half the fun, is, is hanging on to your babies.
3: Yeah, you know, continually it's continually
1: crafting them.
3: It's it's great until
1: you've been doing it for like three to five years. And yes. <laughs> now, when you're holding on to stuff like that, are you still tweaking it here and there, or are you just sitting on it, final product? You
3: know. It, it depends. Um, sometimes I will, I'm not the best about it. A lot of times what I'll do is I'll get kind of like the main thing written for the most part to a point where it's like maybe playable. Yeah. Um, and then it'll just make its way into my sets for a while. And I am really bad about revisiting it once I get it to that point. Um, I feel
1: it, man, I feel it. Yeah,
3: so I've been trying to get more in the habit of actually like kind of like taking the time to tweak things as I go along or um, actually like reopening those old projects. So. Yeah, lately I've been kind of uh, not allowing myself to start anything new. I've got a full length album in the works right now that's looking at about ten tracks, and then I have um, some other collabs and stuff that I've been sitting on for a while. So I, I literally had to tell myself I cannot start anything new until I actually <laughs> finish all of this. Yeah, which um, it's getting there. It's it's finally happening. So good,
1: man. Yeah. I'm glad to hear it. Well, let me ask you about your recent gigs, going kind of from most recent, I guess you played Womp Wednesdays. Yep. And, and then uh, before that, you played the Antenna Tour, and before that, you were in Detroit. Yes. So, you want to... Talk about those. How are those, man? Yeah, sure.
3: Uh, I mean, Womp Wednesday is always, that's been a staple for years at this point. Um, arcade is always just such a fun spot to play. Um, the yeah. gym is just a cool little venue. Um, it's not a huge venue or anything. I think it fits like 150 people or so, but it's nice. It's easy to pack out and uh, oh, yeah. it's always it's the arcade crowd's funny you can kind of get away with playing almost like whatever the fuck you want there oh, that's the best um, though which it's really good you can get really really weird there um which i always really love what i appreciate
1: about the west coast yeah a lot a lot more open-minded than the east i think in yeah. my in my opinion
3: you know it, it depends where you're at and what city you're in and what that's, club you're at too that's It's true
1: because like, you can get the the preppy upper echelon people i guess yeah, or you just get
3: the people who just want to get drunk and just hear nonstop bangers the entire night as well. And so it's like you true. play anything that's not quite club banger, and uh, people start getting weird about it. But
1: yeah how how do you how has that worked with you? Because I feel like it's in a similar vein of like Charles the First, where he doesn't mm-hmm. make the like banging dubstep that that people want to hear at like ten o'clock at night. Um you make more stuff that is kind of more suited for like early morning wake up stuff but that's obviously not when you play half the time so how do you kind of how do you make that happen
3: it's it's been a really constant struggle throughout the years um yeah, and like I'd... I started yeah I started kind of almost getting pigeonholed for a while into just doing like sunrise sets and things like that and uh, Yep You know, which I I, I love playing a good sunrise set, but I don't like only playing sunrise sets. Oh, it's uh... it's
1: tough on the body, too, to, like, oh, my set's at 5 or 6 in the morning. Like, do I go to bed? Do I... Yeah, which I which I don't I don't trust
3: myself to wake up in time especially at that hour of the morning um, yeah. so, and plus I'm just a night owl anyway so I usually will just stay up the whole night um, but then I'm just staying completely sober I don't like playing like on anything really other than the. Like, like, a couple say, drinks here yeah. and there yeah, yeah.
1: So uh, maybe it's pretty a, much maybe an Adderall and some caffeine to stay up. <laughs>
3: Mostly caffeine, exactly. Yeah, merbimates.
1: You West Coaster. Yeah, that's most <laughs> of it.
3: <laughs> but yeah, so it's, it's 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 definitely a struggle for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, lately what I've been like doing is like making more just like like dance dance kind of music and stuff like that. Stuff yeah. that fits a club environment a bit better. Um, I still have like more down tempo stuff that I I make here and there, um, but it's definitely hasn't been as big of the focus lately.
1: Now Um, when you say more danceable, does that mean higher BPMs or just more powerful sound design?
3: A little bit of both, honestly, okay. because it's yeah. like you know, because there's still like a lot of stuff I'm making that's more like you know, kind of like dubstepy kind of stuff, and it's uh, it's it's you know, the same tempo as some of the down tempo stuff. If you want to say like 140 or 70 or whatever, yeah. Um, but it's just yeah, just a little bit more, a little bit more driving, um, a little bit harder drums, a little bit heavier sound design and stuff. Um, yeah, just yes, yeah, stuff that's gonna get people up and moving a bit more. Um, that's not sure. quite so like I guess like. Um, Chilled cerebral out. doesn't yeah. like, yeah, exactly, so.
1: Well, let's, I want to ask you about your musical beginnings. Um, what did the role of music play for you in your growing up?
3: Yeah, it, I mean, it was a pretty huge part of it, honestly. Uh, my mom's always been super into music. Um, cool. She's been a singer most of her life and uh, also a oh, nice. um, piano player as well. Um, nice. And that's her main job these days is teaching voice and piano. Um yeah. And so she got me started on piano when I was probably around like four or five years old. Wow. Um, and I did that uh, pretty much until middle school. Um, I did band for a couple years in middle school. I didn't really want to. She forced me to. Dude, <laughs> so,
1: yeah, I feel it, man. I yeah, feel it. so
3: I, I did. A, I played trombone for a year. Um, oh, the brass, next,
1: brass boy. I was a baritoneer. Yeah.
3: Oh, nice. Yeah, I mean, I liked it, but I also got sick of having to um, strap it to my bike every day and carry it around school, so I switched to flute, I think, the next year. Hey, my um, mom played
1: the flute. Yeah. Yeah, so I did that
3: for a year, um, and I think it was around middle school when I started playing guitar, um, and that's the one I kind of, like, really picked up on and uh, have been pretty steadily playing since
1: then. So did you start Um, with an acoustic?
3: No, I started with an electric, actually. Um, okay. I think it was, like, a little Fender Squire was my very first one I got with, like, an amp. and then, Classic. Um, yeah, and then I got an acoustic, I want to say, like, two or three years later after that. Um, okay. But, yeah, I was into, like, a lot of, like, um, a lot of, like, rock and stuff back then. It was a lot of, like... I got really big into, like, the emo, screamo kind of scene and, like, then a lot of yeah. metal and stuff from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started getting more into electronic music and the production thing, I think, when I was probably about, like, 1920, I think. Okay. Um, friends were showing me more, like, it was stuff like, um, stuff like Spongle, Infected Mushroom, I got really into, um, I started discovering some, like, early dubstep. step. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just going out to, like, raves and stuff like that as well, so I started getting into, like, some, like, house music, a little that, bit of trance here and there, but, That's yeah. actually
1: one of my favorite questions, is the, do you remember your very first rave? Yeah, that's a great <laughs> question. Um... <laughs>
3: Okay, so yeah, I think the first rave I ever went to but Yeah, so I would have been like sixteen or seventeen, and that was one called Beetlejuice in Sacramento. Uh it was like a three or four room thing that they I think they still put that party on, if I'm not mistaken. I mean unless oh, wow. it's COVID, but uh yeah, but that was like it was like a little like all ages thing, um, in a bowling alley. Nice in uh, Sacramento, uh, where I grew up. Um Okay. And at the time though I had no idea what it was. It was just a Party or whatever, so I had no idea yeah. like really much about the music. I had no idea what a DJ did or anything. <laughs> yeah. I um, just wanted to eat ecstasy and you know go to a party. So yep. that was. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then yeah, I think I, I didn't really go as quite as much until I think I was like nineteen twenty. Uh, and I started going pretty consistently to the parties around um, Sacramento. Um, I got really into dubstep at that time. Pretty much kind of went from like metal to like Skrillex and like heavy dubstep and stuff like that. Yeah, was the yeah. Transition. Um, and then I started um, learning. Actually, no, I got introduced to production first. And so I started like toying around with like Fruity Loops and uh, Massive was the big synth at the time. Oh, yes. Um, and then I kind of... Sp- like, there just weren't many resources for it back then. Uh, Cause this was yep. like, what, like 2010? Yeah. Yep. So it was just hard to find information. It was pretty much like what I could find from friends. Um, there wasn't yeah. too many tutorials or anything. And I just kind of just got stuck. And I was just having trouble figuring it out. So I started um, getting more into DJing around that time. Um, you said you was were more...
1: on FL? I was on FL briefly, yeah. Okay, yeah. Very clunky back then. I tried it, it was back
3: a, then too. You know, it was a bit like what my thing with it though is it was kind of easier almost just to get started off with and figure out like how to just like make a simple drum beat and do some yeah. shit. Like, yeah. Cause I tried picking up like Logic and Ableton and I could not figure them out for the life of me um, yep. at the mm-hmm. time. And then I started getting, like, really into DJing um, because I was, like, more looking just for, like, you know, a way to, like, perform out any tracks I was making. And then I found I could get gigs a lot easier just being a DJ than, uh, and that was going a lot quicker than the production thing was. So I kind of just, like, yeah, yeah. so I just kind of settled into that for a while. Um, and it wasn't until I started, um... I think getting more into like glitch hop and stuff at the time and ended up meeting a friend who uh, was able to kind of like sit me down and show me just some basics of Ableton Um, Mm -hmm. and from there I was able to kind of get back into it and figure out what I was doing. I just kind of needed someone to show me just the very basics of how it worked. Yeah, um, and then he was also the person who took me to my first festival, which was Symbiosis Gathering in 2012. That was out at Pyramid Lake in Nevada, and nice. um, it was a it was an eclipse festival. Um, it was only a partial eclipse for that one, but uh, but yeah, that was um, it was a really awesome time. I heard a bunch of music I'd never actually heard before. Um,
1: to digress, and, uh, did you go to the 2017 Eclipse Gathering? Yeah, yeah, I,
3: I played that one actually. Yeah, no
1: way, I was there. Uh-huh.
3: Oh, you were! Oh, that's awesome. Yes, sir. Yeah, I ended up doing a couple sets there. I was originally booked just for one, which was like kind of a morning set uh, on the. I don't know if you remember the Earth stage there. Oh yeah. Was, yeah. So I was booked Those for a morning set about. All the heady
1: one. boys were playing. <laughs> 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 yeah, most definitely.
3: <laughs> but yeah, um, played a morning set there, uh, which was like you know all right. I think like there's probably like a few hundred people there or something. Um, yeah. And then I ended up actually filling in for Closy. I think it was that night or the next night.
1: No shit.
3: Yeah, so it was a a whole thing, basically. um, I think there was a miscommunication. She was supposed to do two sets, and for some reason that wasn't communicated properly or something. Uh And I'd actually... um, I'd gone behind the stage just to go say hi to her real quick. Oh, excuse me. I'm just going to... Oh, you're good. (laughs) The throat is like drying out. I might have to go snag a water bottle in a second. Oh, that's cool. But but,
1: um, I think we're good for now.
3: But yeah, so I went behind the stage to go say hi to her. um, And then I was just going to go over um, to go catch Opio set, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember just everyone behind the stage is kind of running around freaking out. And I was kind of like, hey, where's Chloe at? What's going on? And they're like, she's not going to make it. She's in transportation from Portland. Like, what are you doing right now? And I was like, nothing they're like okay where's your gear i was like oh, it's back at camp they got me a golf cart rushed me back to grab that and so i ended up uh jumping on and filling in for that no way that was that was closer to probably like ten thousand people there so oh that my was uh God.
1: <laughs> what did you play
3: um i played mostly my own music actually it was like wow. uh, kind of like i kind of like reworked the the set from that morning added in like a few other tunes from friends and stuff
1: like that but and uh, did you have to deal with some mean mugs from people that are like not closey <laughs> <laughs> not that i noticed personally oh well, um, that's good that's good
3: it, but uh, who is it my my girlfriend at the time was actually she was in the crowd and she said because uh, i got on the mic and you know announced that i was not in fact closey and yeah. uh, i think she said uh she, she said there was like a whole group of girls there who just said they're like oh it's not close. it just went random let's go and they just <laughs> like, dipped I don't even think listen to a single tune of the set but oh my
1: gosh <laughs> See, my most favorite moment of that festival was when String Cheese did a cover of Cashmere by Led Zeppelin it's like my song oh sick <laughs> that's awesome yeah. but alright that's, that's sweet dude um well, do you have any, uh, like, th- this is like the most basic interview yeah. question for a musician, but do you have any musical inspirations that that guided you, that got you to, like, actually have the, that, like, made you want to actually become a DJ and, and a producer?
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean... <clears throat> Early on, I think it was like, yeah, like I said, when I was getting into dubstep, it was like Skrillex was a big one, um, which was, it was kind of funny even discovering that because I was really into his um, his band from first to last that he was in before oh, he got yeah. the whole thing. So what I kind of found, um, I was getting really into like dubstep at the time and found his stuff. Um, and that was, of course, like one of those early inspirations. Um, uh, but yeah, then it kind of started shifting at least my musical tastes. Um, Tipper was, of course, like, another oh, like really yeah. early one. Um Especially more on like the glitch hop side of things and stuff. And then um
1: When was the first time you saw Tipper live? That's
3: a really great question. I think I actually saw him Oh, it was in uh Davis, California at the okay. college there. Actually, some friends of mine were going to school there and managed to get, I think, him and Craddy um out to out to play sets at like the and so Nice. It was a super small little show. I mean, maybe like a few hundred people or something. But yeah, I think that was the first time I saw him. Um, And then I want to say the next time after that was probably at Symbiosis, I think, in 2012. Nice. But I was listening to his music quite a bit before I actually was able to see him live. Um, Yeah. And then let me think. Uh, And then uh, do you you ever listen to edit like before he was in the glitch mob or like his early albums uh no i haven't oh there's an amazing one he has called it's the first one he put out called crying over prose for no reason um and it's it's, it's still to this day probably one of my favorite electronic albums of all time um it's just really super glitched out it's just kind of slow intricate um almost down-tempo-y kind of like early like glitch like not even quite glitch hop kind of stuff but like just glitch music oh yeah um, but it's so good I'd highly suggest listening to it I mean that album okay. came out in like like 2007 or 2008 or something and oh, it, it's nice. still it's it still holds up to this day I mean of course like the mix down is a little bit you to have to go
1: find it on LimeWire <laughs> oh it's yeah
3: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think you can find it on Spotify and everything like that too, but um, yeah, that was a huge early influence for me. Um, And then I'm trying to think, um, because I moved to the Bay Area around 2013 and got really involved in the scene there. Um, I'm trying to think of who I was really into at the time. there's a lot of like the, the guys who were kind of like local at the time. So, Hayoka, before he was on was like a oh, huge one. And, um, okay. I think that was right around the time. Um, yeah, Sixes was just starting to put out music at that oh, time okay. and was also living there as well. Okay. Um,
1: and so there's a nice little, uh, melting pot
3: yeah see duffery was another one who was okay. living there at the time um we nice. actually used to live together for, for uh, no a couple years in oakland um
1: so were you uh connected in with the wormhole wednesday people at all yeah definitely so they I'm were sure some of the first that... yeah go
3: ahead. yeah yeah they were some of the first people i met actually when i moved down there um nice. and i think at the time yeah they hadn't started doing wormhole um yet the first i think it was the first party they actually threw as wormhole actually i played um and this was uh they threw it a yoga studio and it was me yeti uh this guy dr knobs um and i'm trying to think of who else played that one too god i can't remember but yeah they threw this party at like a yoga studio um and then shortly after they started doing the weekly event uh at a small bar called era um it was a small under two hundred people, like capacity bar, um, yeah. They started doing that every Wednesday. So yeah, I've known those guys for for quite a long time.
1: That's wild, dude. You mentioned Yeti. I I got to open up for him in the backyard, a muddy backyard in like twenty fourteen, dude. <laughs> it was wild. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh,
3: that's so funny because yeah, because he's from around your your area. He's too, from he? he's like he's he, from yeah.
1: uh, Dayton or Akron, Ohio. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, somewhere in there yeah because i think when i first
3: met him he i think he was still living there and then he moved actually to san francisco i think pretty shortly after that mm-hmm. um probably around that same time period i think but
1: yeah all right well uh, what was your first gig ever oh, doesn't have to be a paid gig or an official yeah. gig first time you ever dj that's a great question. I want to say it was just
3: some house party somewhere. I had like sure. a little like DJ controller I'd bought. Um, oh,
1: what kind of controller did you have? What was
3: it? It was a little virtual DJ controller. I think it was a Numark Mixtrack Pro. Yes. I want to say. <laughs> so it was super, super basic um, little controller. Um, yeah. And then I got a pair of CDJs shortly after that. It was this absolute shit pair of Denon uh, CDJs. They were like they were weird they didn't even have like the proper like jog wheels on them they were like this little thin like plastic like thing um that you kind yep. of just spin back to um to work them but they were like 350 dollars for like the pair plus a mixer um yeah and i think with those two is it's like if you get good on a pair like that you show up to like any club with like a pair of pioneers or something proper and they're just so easy to play on so yeah. um but yeah it was it was some little house party or something and then i think after that might have been There's probably some rave at this, there's this little like weird kind of bar out in Sacramento called Pinkies that people would throw a bunch of like raves at and stuff. And it was like, they had a bar, but they would do like all ages parties there. So it's like, you know, you'd have to have the wristband and be in like the bar area or whatever. So it's just like, you know, a bunch of like 16 to like 20 year olds high on ecstasy. (laughs) (laughs) This weird, weird bar that's like on the river in Sacramento out in the middle of nowhere.
1: Oh my gosh well i want to dive into producing and ask you uh well you said you used fl and you tried logic and ableton but i'm assuming you came back to ableton eventually that's been the one that i've been using
3: consistently since then yeah um i like i said i had a friend um who showed me how to use that um and from there i just kind of like took off and that's the, what i found the more i started meeting people who were actually doing production and stuff it's like pretty oh, much yeah. everyone who's using ableton so it's just the easiest to find information on to kind of like
1: great for collaborating and everything
3: I- exactly um i think i maybe had one or two friends that used logic but it was not
1: very many i mean even to this yeah. day i
3: don't have too many friends on there but
1: i feel it um do you uh what what's your favorite synthesizer so these days these days I'd say it's probably
3: phase plant by Kilohearts.
1: Yeah. It's a
3: really good one. Have you checked out any of their stuff before? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, because it's like um I've just been doing like the monthly subscription. I think it's like 10 bucks a month or something like that. You get yeah. like the the synth plus all of their plugins, but it's just it's one of the most like diverse synths I've found. I mean, you, it's like completely modular. So you could set up as many like oscillators on it as you want, um, the, as many modulators as you want as well. And you can have um, the oscillators. You can have different kinds of um, synths basically interacting with each other. So you can mix like a sampler oscillator with say like a like a wavetable. They have more of, like an analog kind of style one. Okay. Um, I want to say they have one other as well. Um, and then you can basically route anything into anything so it's almost like having like a full like kind of like modular set um
1: awesome
3: so it's just super versatile really really good sounding um so that's been like a big main go-to um ableton's operator has been a big main go-to for a while as okay. well it's just just it's just like you know it's a nice basic fm synth it's just yep. really good especially for doing like more like neuro sound design and stuff like that yes um and what else have I been using? Um, I just got a hold of Vital the other day as well, yep. and that's been—I um, haven't messed with it too much, but it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a, it's a super interesting one, and it's really powerful, especially for being a free synth as well. Yeah. Um, And then uh, Serum, I think, is the other one that I'll use, though. I I don't really use that one quite as much. I did when I Mm. first got a hold of it. Yeah. um, Mostly just moving over from Massive, and it kind of just replaced that for me. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I I don't use it quite as much anymore. Um, What else did I used to use? I used to use Razor quite a bit by Native Instruments. Oh, okay. Um, But I don't really use that one too much anymore. It's just like... It's a really cool synth, but it's incredibly recognizable. So it's just like mm. it's you just can you can pick it out. It's like, and even people who you know, like I I think like are pretty good at making it not quite as recognizable. You can still tell it's like, you listen to like some like tipper tunes and things. You can always kind of tell when it's in there. It's just, you can't hide it. Um, And I think it just got really overused for quite a few years. And um, I've been coming back to it again recently here and there. And I've noticed like a few other producers seem to be using it a bit more again. Like now that it's not quite as heavily used
1: by everyone. But Uh um, being recycled
3: yeah exactly but yeah i think those are probably like the main the main ones these days cool
1: do you have any secret sound design techniques you can give up (laughs) that's a great question
3: you can say i mean I i never mind sharing like pretty much anything that i do um yeah you know it's uh but i'm trying to think of like any like any big secrets to it it's it's
1: it's this is, of, this yeah. is also a test of how well you can vocalize sound design. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm
3: just trying to think of the main technique because it's it's, it's it's always changing. So much of it is literally just experimentation, you know? It's yeah. like, um yeah. and it's like the process these days is kind of like getting the bass waveform. form. Um, usually I won't go too complex with it. And then from there getting like, you know, a bit of filtering, spatial effects, like chorus, like oh, language, yeah. things like that. And then from there, usually just a shit ton of distortion these days um, okay. actually. The biggest tool I've been using is Rift. Okay. Have you checked that one out? No. No, so that one's phenomenal. So that was uh, developed by, uh, it's uh, Sixis, Mimushu, and Schwex actually all Mm. started a company called Minimal Audio. What? Um, What a a combo. It's pretty incredible. So yeah, Rift is basically, it's a distortion plugin, uh, but it also combines that with a filter, um a really solid delay with like different feedbacks and things like that. And oh, then like a cool. really powerful um set of modulation tools. So um, you know, you have your basic LFO and things like that envelope. Um, and then you have uh basically I'm trying to think of exactly what they call it on there, but you can use it essentially like a step sequencer. Um, oh, it's, uh, okay. and it's similar to like serum, where you can really get in there and make these really like complex um modulation curves and things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then not to mention with the distortion modules, you can mod- you can put different types of distortion on both the um, negative and positive um, nodes of the waveforms. Uh, and then also you can do different stages of distortion. So it's kind of similar like with a neural sound design where you're like, you know, distorting, bouncing to audio, distorting again and bouncing to audio. But you can basically do that all within one plugin up to I think it's six stages of distortion you can put on there. Okay. Um, and then just yeah, really really solid filtering and stuff like that as well. It's kind of like an all-in-one like Neuro Sound Design plugin pretty much. But
1: oh, um, I need to get on that. <laughs> it's
3: it's really good. It's not expensive either. They they it, it might be a little bit more like when they first came out with it, I think it was like 80 bucks or something like that. Yeah. Um, I think it's still like maybe like $120 or something these days, Um, but it's so good. And you can actually download uh, the filter for free as well. So I'd suggest Um, going and checking that out.
1: Um, I'll try to link that in the description or something. Yeah. But that's that's been the main
3: go to these days. It's almost I, I I pretty much have been throwing everything through there at this point. It's like awesome. Even um even like old sound design patches and stuff. Like um because a lot of a lot of like the like the technique I use these days, um, especially for bass patches and stuff, is I'll just get like the big mud pies going and then kind of like chop out of there. Okay. Um, and I had um. I had a bunch of those I did for a while. So, yeah, have you ever heard that technique before? No. uh -uh. So, essentially, it's where you'll kind of make a full, like, kind of bass patch or something like that. And you'll make, like, a a four-bar, eight-bar loop of this thing with all these different modulations throughout. And then you just bounce the whole thing to audio. And Mm. then um, from there, you can either, like, throw it into a sampler or you can just chop out little bits of it. um, And then you, like, rather than having to, you know, keep it within MIDI or trying to, like, modulate everything by hand or keep everything sounding a certain way, um, which is kind of impossible. When you're doing it in MIDI, you just um, have these big, long audio files that you can then chop things out of um, and just modulate in different ways.
1: And, I've definitely heard of that technique, just yeah. never heard it called mud pies. <laughs> uh,
3: okay, yeah. But, uh, so I yeah. It. I. I, I I was finding even, like, I had some older ones that I'd made where I, like, you know, went back to listen to them. I hadn't really used them in any tunes yet, and um mm-hmm. was just kind of, like, not feeling like they were up to quality. And uh, what I've been kind of doing lately is anything I have like that, I'll just, like, see what happens when I throw it through Rift. And almost every single time, it, like, basically will get it back up to, um, back up to my Crispy. standards and where I want it to be. Oh, exactly. Um, so, yeah, it's basically... I guess other sound design techniques. Yeah, again, it's like, usually I'll just like, I work a lot in audio for that. Um, a lot of times I'll throw things into sampler. Um, okay. So I'll have like the big long audio file in sampler, and then I can move the um, start position of that to kind of start from different places in the audio. You can move mm-hmm. it in different sections, um, reverse it in other places, um, filter it in different ways, um, or like add-ins like some
1: like FM, extra FM um, modulation, stuff like that as well. Word. um Well, that kind of leads me into my next question, which is, what is your workflow like?
3: Yeah, so... These days, what I've been trying to do more, and I'm not always the best at it, is I kind of try and do most of the heavy lifting. So like sound design, drum creation, and stuff like that before I even do any kind of songwriting or anything like that. Okay, yeah. Um, just so you're not getting stuck in that pattern of trying to do it while you're trying to write a song. Because all you're gonna do is you're gonna get distracted, you're gonna end up in a sound design hole for like three hours, and then yeah. you're gonna kind of lose the initial idea, yeah. Um, or the initial drive. So what I kind of do these days is try and have as much done before i actually start writing and then from there i can basically go in and i could just write a full song and have it come together fairly quickly um because i found those kind of initial ideas you kind of want to seize them like right as they come around you kind of want to get out that main almost arrangement of the track in like the first day or two that you're actually writing it yeah um and if you just have everything together um you can do that fairly quickly um and it's like especially if you watch like most people who seem to be kind of at the top of their game that's kind of what they're all doing and how they're getting these really super complex intricate tunes um like if you watched ever like if you ever watched like resonant language or someone like that work like it's a lot of what he's doing as well so you're Mm -hmm. essentially creating your own sample packs that you're pulling from and then you're essentially just throwing it's just like throwing a bunch of samples together um except stuff that you've created um And that way, yeah, you can just get the whole tune just written quickly. And then from there, you can kind of make little tweaks, make adjustments, do further sound design, add an extra stuff. But um, that's kind of what I found is just getting the initial idea out as quickly as possible seems to be the best way to go about it.
1: Do you have like a timeline as far as like, all right, I want to bang this track out in three days. Yeah. Do do you give yourself a timeline like that?
3: Sometimes, yeah, it it really depends. but yeah, usually I'll try and get like the initial kind of part done within that first like two to three days or so. Exactly. To where it's like, yeah, yeah. At least like the main like drop into maybe like a second section, um, maybe with like an intro and outro as well. Yeah. Usually I tend to kind of start with the drop and then kind of move into the intro and outro kind of as like the last bit. Um, but yeah, some tracks, it's like, it's it's. I'll get them mostly knocked out in a few days, um, but then I'll come back to it for months, if not years, and just kind of yeah. keep tweaking it and keep adding to it. Um, I've had this happen quite a bit recently where I've had um, old projects that I kind of like maybe started like four or five years ago, never really finished or released and we'll come back to them like now um, and actually be like oh there's actually a good idea in there and go ahead and kind of like update the sound design maybe update some of the drums getting it a bit like tighter sounding yeah. um, and then can kind of get it ready from there so yeah it it varies like some sometimes I feel like you just need to sit on the idea for a long time to kind of like know whether it's actually good or not. Because like oh, those yeah. first few days, you might be like, oh, this is amazing. This is awesome. It's great. Yep. And then you sit on it for like an extra month or two or longer and you come back to it and you're like, oh, actually it's not quite as good as I maybe thought it was originally. Yeah, you know. Um and you kind of keep going from there. Um, Plus, it's just, I I think some ideas just like you need a bit more of a skill set or different tools to kind of like really give it, um, to really do it justice, I think.
1: Oh, yeah. And over time, new plugins come out that are amazing and just extra pop you never know what's gonna happen
3: yeah exactly so it's yeah that's what i've kind of found is if you if you if you start an idea and you maybe like it a lot at first and then it kind of just starts fading a bit like sometimes it's best just to kind of just like leave it be for a while come back to it sometime later and like um sometimes once you're kind of like yeah just far enough past it, you'll come back and actually actually know whether it's actually good and worth continuing on or not
1: yeah so I'm curious, has your style, I'm sure it has, but uh, how has your style changed over the years? Like what were you making when you first started producing?
3: Yeah, when I first started, so it was, it was funny, when I first started, like I said, I was really into dubstep and that was kind of what I was like wanting to make and that's just yeah. like, didn't get as much into production. And then by the time I got really into production, I was um, really into like Glitch Hop and stuff at the time. Um, yeah. Like I said, like a lot of Tipper, Opio is another actually big early influence. Um, so I was making more of that kind of style, the kind of like funky kind of like glitch hoppy kind of stuff. Um, and then it moved from there into more of like, almost like down y almost like that kind of like Centilla, like Macraba kind of style stuff. Ooh, like, um,
2: yeah.
3: similar sound design as well. Um, the more kind of like weird, like psychedelic side base kind of sound design um, yeah. was like, a lot of what I was into, um, and these days, like my influences have changed quite a bit, and so a lot of what I'm listening to now is it's a lot more like drum and bass, um, okay. a lot more dubstep, a lot more like halftime, neuro kind of stuff. And that's where mm. I've been finding most of my sound design has been influenced from. Um, mm. Even on tracks that are a bit chiller, like even more like down it's still that similar kind of like sound design that I'm using. So it's a lot more, um, a lot more distortion in pretty much everything. It's, yeah. Uh, if if anything, it, possibly too much distortion, but never. It's just, uh, to see, yeah, that's the way I like to think <laughs> about it. So, but, um, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh yeah, go, no, 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 go ahead. I that was a finished thought.
1: When when did you start? Um, well, I'm, I'm gonna assume that you've always mixed your stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but when did you start mastering your stuff?
3: Yeah, that's been a more recent development. Um, I've always kind of like done like the basic, like, you know, like just for like playing stuff out, I've done like the basic self masters and things like that. And uh, so, which that at the time was just like, throw it into a limiter and hope for the best basically. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so it was more. It's been more of a recent development. Probably the past couple of years, I've been starting to um, actually be more comfortable. I think mastering my own stuff or like other people's stuff, and it's um, it just is more as I've like discovered about the process and talked to other friends about what they're doing and kind of um, talked to other friends who do mastering and like watching their process. I kind of started realizing that I actually kind of knew what I was doing already, um, and yeah. it was just more of just like having the confidence to do it myself. Um, and so, like, um, I'll master some of my own stuff these days. I still will occasionally send it off to someone for mastering just because it's just to get that extra set of ears on it. But yeah. um, but it's, it's, it's difficult because I feel like lately when I've been doing that, they'll send it back and there's something about it I don't quite like as much. It's maybe yeah. not as loud as I want it to be or they... Because everyone just has a different way of doing it and what they think that the music should sound like. And I yeah. have a certain idea of what I want my music to sound like. So I've been kind of shying away from that recently and just opting to do it myself.
1: Um, well, I do want to plug your mastering work real quick because... Sweet, please do. You you, <laughs> you mastered the hell out of my couple tracks that I sent you from the uh, recommendation of Tyler Blanc. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just want to plug that you did a great job. For real
3: well thanks i super appreciate it yeah i'm glad you uh, i'm glad you liked it it,
1: so it's gonna get its first uh play out on uh saturday actually oh sweet where are you playing at just a little bar in pittsburgh that's sick yeah i'm I'm pumped but uh but yeah so um last question like about producing really uh Mm -hmm. do you use samples at all yeah
3: i do um it's it's yeah, it's 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 weird and I think everyone kinda of goes through this process like when you're producing. It's like you'll kind of like start using more sample based stuff. Eventually you kind of like get in that mode of like I have to create everything myself, you know?
1: Yeah. So um, are you a purist now?
3: I have been lately. Not quite as much though. I've kind of, I've kind of fallen out of that. I think it's like, once you know, you know how to do it, it kind of becomes a thing of like, yeah, I could do it. Yeah. But I think at this point it's about just like, what's going to sound good and, um, what's going to just make the track come out quickest, you know? So it's like, if I'm in songwriting mode and there's a certain sound I want or a sample, it's like, I can sit there and go and spend all this time making it. If I don't already have something like that made, or I can just kind of go on to splice or pull through my already, um, way too big sample library and just pull something out of there um because it's just it's it's at the end of the day it's just like i I think it only matters so much i mean there's certain certain elements that i like to do myself like bass bass sounds and and stuff especially because i feel like that's kind of like more of like a signature that you'll get or like something that you're actually going to develop your own sound through yes um And if it's something simple, like it might just whip it together real quick, but it's like, um, yeah, sometimes it's easier just to go find the sample you want. And then you can from there kind of like mess with it, tweak it, adjust it to your liking. It's the same thing with presets and stuff as well. It's like, you know, I don't want to use them for every single sound in a track, but like sometimes you go through, you're going through presets, you're going through other things and you just found, find exactly what you're looking for. And you can, Mm -hmm. you know, like I said, tweak it, but like it's, it's, because there's no point in like you know finding the sound you want and then going. Ah, I just need to create it myself. You know, it's like you're just going to create something that sounds almost the same. Um, and it's just like you know, even if someone else made it, it's not going to sound the same in the context of your music or the way that you're using it or right. like. So um, and especially if you just do that little bit of tweaking of the sound itself. Um, yeah. So yeah, definitely not as much of a purist these days. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely a combination of everything. Um, but I do try and make a lot of my stuff. Um, I especially have like a field recorder and stuff that I'll use for like Foley sounds and stuff like cool. that. Um, but yeah, it's just a it's a really intensive process if you're gonna make every single thing yourself. And I think, yeah. you know, I think it's more beneficial if you're gonna be selling sample packs and things like that, um, which is not True. something I'm currently doing. I probably should at some point, but yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're just trying to write a tune, I think it's just about what's going to sound good and, you know, and yeah, like I said there's that balance. It's like, I think if you're just throwing together like a bunch of splice bass sounds from like one thing, you know, it's just going to it's it's just not going to sound as unique, you know. Right. It's like it may sound it may sound good, but it may not have that kind of special touch that's gonna Yeah, make, but then you know, when somebody does it. it
1: does the same thing 2 weeks later, you're like, well, shit. <laughs> I got caught. (laughs) I got caught red handed.
3: (laughs) Uh. Yeah, there was there was something I was listening to the other day, um, and I can't remember who it was who was saying this, but uh they were kind of like mentioning like, you know, of trying to like speed up your production process. And that was one of the things they said is like, you know, think about like if you didn't like have the like didn't want to take the time to like do the sound design or like you didn't care about any of that stuff or didn't have any of those hangups, like what would you do, you know? Yeah. And a lot of times you're just like, okay, let's just go find this out. How, like, like, how are
1: you going to collaborate with people and make shit like...
3: Yeah, it, it, at a point it gets to the, it's like the, you know, like the goat farming analogy, you know, at a point, like you're just like, you're, you're basically, have you heard that one or like... uh uh-uh. Oh, you've never heard that? Oh, it's, there's a meme that was going around for a while and it was basically just like, well, I thought like, you know... Using loops was cheating, so I started creating my own loops from samples. Then I thought samples oh. were cheating, so I started creating my own samples and yes. like you know drum yes. samples. No, but I thought that I have was cheating.
2: That.
3: <laughs> yeah, so it's like I started like you know building my own drums, but like you know I thought that was cheating. So I started farming goats to make the goat skin for the drums. And like you know I'm not making any music, but the goat farming's going really well. So, it's just... <laughs> but it is at the end of the day, you're just farming goats if you're getting yep. too too hung up on that shit. I so. wholeheartedly
1: agree. Well, to get away from production, um, now that we've lost all the um, non-producers, <laughs> <laughs> um, what was your what's your favorite gig you've ever played? That's a really great question. Um, or a top three, you know, maybe.
3: Yeah, I mean, Oregon Eclipse was definitely up there as one, oh of, the, gosh, one of the Oh my gosh, I believe That's, it, dude. It's a really hard one to undo. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, the venue, actually, I just... So I played... Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I didn't mention it, so that uh, that show I did with Antennae. Um, oh, yeah. That was yeah. in Gene, Oregon. So there's a venue there called The Big Dirty that's absolutely phenomenal. And that was my second time playing there. Nice. Uh, the first time was um, headlining. But it's um, it's actually... So it, uh, they took a bunch of pieces from the Earth stage from Oregon Eclipse, and it basically made a venue out of it. No so shit. So it's just really, really visually striking venue. Um, oh. I want to say is just under like a 300% capacity. Um,
1: I'm telling you, man, you West Coasters don't know how lucky you are. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's not too bad over here We're still here for clawing
1: sure. at, at that level of production <laughs> over here on the on the right coast.
3: Yeah, you get, you get spoiled, especially after living in the Bay Area for so long. It's like where every venue's got like a void system or a function one system, yeah. just like, yeah. It's it's pretty ridiculous, but um, yeah, that's that's probably like one of my more favorite venues I've played at recently. Um, cool. I don't know, actually, even even going back to that that gig in Detroit I did recently was yeah. really fun. Um, so yeah, that was my first time playing there, um, and that was just like it was just a straight like warehouse underground. It was just that's a dark awesome. warehouse with a Turbo Sound Function One rig, oh and it was God. amazing. <laughs> it was really fun. Um, yeah. plus it's just it's such a that city is just such a trip it's almost like weirdly dystopian and like it it's like but i I, yep. I don't know i'm i'm kind of about that vibe it's yeah like, <laughs> yeah
1: like you're you're bringing life to a, a dying city
3: yeah, yeah exactly and i find places like that tend to have a pretty thriving like arts and music scene and stuff too. oh yeah so, um,
1: that's all they have you know, to do
3: yeah i mean i lived in i mean i lived in oakland for like eight years and like it's kind mm-hmm. of a similar thing there the city's like the city's just like it's kind of grungy and it's yeah. like you got to watch your back or you're gonna get robbed at gunpoint which has definitely happened to me like occasionally yeah. you hear like automatic gunfire outside your window and shit yep. but like but like yeah, at least when i first moved there you know we could like you could go just like live in a warehouse with a bunch of other weird people and like you know just make music and kind of do whatever the fuck you wanted so yeah, um, yeah. But oh. um, yeah, so yeah, that would probably be one of the one of the cooler gigs I played recently. Um, yeah, it's always such a hard question to ask because each one is just like so so unique.
1: And, well, like, they, I have a fun one to riff off of that one. Sure. What What was your worst performance ever? <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck me.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: That's a really
1: tough one. It's like. Have you ever had, like, sound issues or something? Or I've had plenty of shit like that happen.
3: I don't know if I've ever yeah. had anything too, too serious, at least not in more recent years. Um, yeah. I did have one gig I played once, and it was, like... I think it was, like, I'd accidentally spilled some liquid on my um, MacBook, just on, like, the trackpad or something, and it was working totally fine for a while, and I, I was playing this, um, this party out at the spot, uh, kind of the Santa Cruz Mountains. It's a nudist resort called Lupin Lodge. And it was uh, like, yeah. I wasn't even booked for the show. I ended up filling in a set for someone. Um, and uh, so I ended up, uh, I was doing like live guitar and stuff at the time and it was like, um, And so I have all this stuff I'm running, I'm kind of like doing a bunch of shit all at once. And I remember um, all of a sudden, after working completely fine, I didn't think it was an issue. um, My computer starts freaking out. And the the trackpad is like the mouse is moving wildly across the screen. It's clicking things at random, somehow (laughs) didn't stop the music. And I'm able to kind of like, I'm like trying to mix tracks as well as like play guitar. And I'm like looping and things like that. And the whole thing is just going nuts. So I'm just trying to keep a straight face on. And uh, I finally managed to get into the settings of the computer and like managed to, I think, turn the trackpad off. And I luckily had um, like a USB mouse or something on me at the time. Oh. Um, So I was able to turn off, oh, that, no, no, no. Yeah, so I was able to turn off the trackpad. Um, Oh, that's what it was. So I was already using the USB mouse. The trackpad just hadn't been giving me issues. It just wasn't working. And then all of a sudden it just started doing that. So luckily, yeah, got it turned off, was able to just use the mouse um, for the rest of the set. And, but yeah, I was, freaking out um
1: <laughs> but meanwhile you're just trying to keep cool but there's just like the b- a vein popping out of your head <laughs> oh yeah but the
3: set went well enough that was actually um funny enough that was actually uh, after that set was my first time meeting uh charles the first actually so that was no before. way wow yeah rest in rest in peace but uh for real yeah He was, I think, like a 18 year old kid at the time. No one knew who he was. And he just like, I just have this kid coming up to me after going like, Hey, man, that was really cool. I make music too. I was like, cool. What do you go by? He's like, I'm Charles the first. It took me like three weeks to even find his SoundCloud. I think he had like 200 followers at the time. Oh, my God. uh, And I remember finding it and like being just completely blown away. Um, Yep. But yeah, so no, this is so... Yeah, I'd say that was probably like one of the, the toughest sets I've played, just with yeah. the technical difficulties. Um, but I managed to pull it off somehow. Hey, so, well,
1: that's half the art of being a DJ is putting out fires.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a whole thing. Um, it's the nice thing, I've, I've, I've switched back to CDJs recently, and it is kind of the nice thing about doing that again. I mean, yeah. you can deal with equipment problems when it's someone else's equipment, but I just find it's just... It's so much much less harrowing, and like the less yes. equipment you're Anxiety dealing with,
1: anxiety-inducing. Like, yeah,
3: exactly. Because I've had like, I've had so many controllers just shit out on me, like in mid set or something. Especially like the APC 40s and stuff like that. Oh, just like, yeah, it's I because that's what I used to use pretty consistently. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think of like other worst gigs. I mean, yeah, that's that's usually what it makes it bad is there's technical difficulties or like some weird thing that happens. Um, I mean, yeah. the worst ones I've had are definitely like the the gigs where it's just like you are playing into like an empty room like no one shows up for some reason it's like yep. especially in like the early days of doing it or you're playing in some weird small town no one knows who the fuck you are so yep. no one shows up but there's some other thing going on and you're playing to a room of like 10 people
1: yep but, yep <laughs>
3: But you know, I mean, it's like even those gigs. It's like you know, you can still make new fans can, that way. There's, you can play there's...
1: anything you want. <laughs> it, it,
3: exactly. You kind of just have to just like take it as it comes and just yep. and just do the thing anyways.
1: And uh, yeah. Well, I'm sure uh, the the ten thousand person crowd for Clozee <laughs> made it all worth it.
3: <laughs> yeah, you know those those moments definitely do <laughs> so.
1: Uh, what's the best system that you've ever played on? And and let me know uh, if you have to go or anything.
3: Oh no, I got I got time. Yeah, I got nothing cool. else. I'm I'm literally just in um I mean I got dinner plans in like 2 or 3 hours,
1: but that's Oh a yeah, we're, yeah, I'm not I'm Joe in, Rogan here. We're not we're not going <laughs> there that long. You go.
3: <laughs> but yeah, no, 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 I'm doing fine. Yeah, I'm just in i uh, I'm in full uh album finishing mode at this point so i've got a 10 track i think it's gonna be 10 tracks at this point lp that i'm in the in the finishing stages so i'm kind of just like i'm just gonna be locked in the studio for at least like the next like few weeks to a month if not
1: longer but um oh yeah
3: oh sorry what was the the question was um, Uh, the
1: best system that you've played on there we go
3: oh hands down uh would be um it's the uh, Hen- Hennessy system. Um, oh. It's uh, specifically, I think it's Synchronistic Sound, I think is the company. Uh, it's, uh-huh. uh, uh, they are based out of Los Angeles, and they okay. have... Those Hennessy rigs are amazing, but Dude, his, are. Just the, way, the way he runs his system is... It's one of the best sounding systems I think I've ever heard in my life. Um,
1: Hell yeah. I got
3: to play on it twice, actually, last summer. I... Uh, I did a, there's a campout called uh, Star Vibes Campout um, mm-hmm. that happens in Northern California that had that <laughs> system um, and I'm actually uh, I'm going to be playing that again this summer. I'm actually also booking the lineup for that one. So we've got uh, oh, that one nice. here in completion as well. We should hopefully be announcing that by the first of the month. So cool. yeah, anyone who's listening, keep an eye out for that. Um, and then I played yeah, it was the week after I think I played a uh, desert party out in LA with um, it was uh, Duffry on Hell Turnian Sound um trying to think Simba yeah it was a really really good one and then yeah same sound system there like a week later and oh, it's just man. i'm i'm yet to hear anyone run that system better i'd say the yeah. only one i've heard um the the one i mean yeah the one i'd say a close second if not right up there with it would be um i'm trying to remember his production company but Canyon Walker's function one system um she was at Burning Man a couple years back. He mm. was running the system. I was camped at a camp called Mount Neverest, um, mm-hmm. And that was our first time uh, showing up to the burn as a sound camp. But uh, he was running the sound the entire week. And he just, he has it sounding incredible. He also does sound for the Unce Festival and um, oh, okay. a whole bunch of other stuff. But yeah, the way he runs his system is just absolutely phenomenal. So I'd say, oh, yeah, those yeah. are probably the two favorite systems I've played on.
1: Cool. Yeah. How do you handle all the traveling that you do? Like, what is your, <laughs> do you have a, a health regimen or are you like totally fly by it's, night? It's pretty difficult sometimes.
3: Um, and it's just, uh, it's it goes back and forth. It's a lot to handle, um, especially when it's like consistent gigs or like every weekend and stuff like that. And um, yeah. it's, uh, I try and keep a health regimen as best as possible. Um, when I'm when I'm traveling for gigs, I try to not. You kind of just have to make sure you're not partying too hard because it's really yeah. easy to do. Is like because like everywhere either, around you, yeah, and everyone wants you to come back and party or they want you to come hang out, and you kind of just have to stick to your guns and say yes. no. Um, and I'll take like I tend to take like breaks from like substances or drinking and things like that. Um, yeah, it's just like I feel like I've been doing it too much. I'll stop drinking for like a month or two and just kind of yeah. have a nice reset. Um, usually. Especially the way I'm doing gigs most of the time is, um, I haven't done like a big like tour or anything like that in a while. So mostly I'm just doing like flying out on the weekend for like gigs, like maybe like one to three days or so. Yeah. Um, and so then I can be home during the week and I can kind of be on a more of a normal routine of like, you know, wake up, eat a good breakfast, go to the gym, actually get some exercise. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 because, it, but it's just it's hard, and you just like you, you know, it's easy to slip back into bad habits, or like if you're traveling too sure. much, it's hard to it's hard to eat well when you, there's no, you oh know gosh, just yeah. trying to eat like shit from restaurants or fast food
1: or whatever yeah. you can. Yeah, um, DoorDash.
3: Yeah, exactly. And then it doesn't help that I also have um, I have an 11 year old son who also lives oh. out of state, who I go to visit at least every month, and so yeah. that's a bunch of traveling. I now have a girlfriend who also lives out of state, <laughs> so I'm um, I'm not doing myself any favors with that, uh, the way I that feel my life is arranged. Believe
1: me, I get it.
3: Yeah, um, I just. It, it's just yeah it's it it's just about just trying to like stay on top of shit even when i'm on the road like um, trying to get like some exercise in is like pretty essential as well like whether that be like getting a quick workout in a hotel um actually one of my um one of my brothers gave me a whole set of like resistance bands to use oh, so i can you like you know pack them in the suitcase easily you can kind of use them wherever yeah um and it's kind of nice if I'm like out, like doing shows or traveling around, like, you know, just getting out with friends and even going like on a hike or something like that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you just kind of just have to take it easy and just try and take care of yourself where you can um, and just also accept that it's you're not going to be perfect at it and that you're going <laughs> to you just you can't be you just you can't be Superman and you can't. Yeah can't just stay super on top of things all the time. You just kinda have to just be easy on yourself and um I'd be a little vulnerable. Yeah, exactly. So um but yeah, it's uh it's it's a lot. <laughs> it gets tiring. It's kind of like I've had I've had moments of like, um, even when I like have a bunch of gigs and I'm traveling a ton and it's great and I'm having an awesome time, but also it's, it's stressful and it's a lot and you're just like constantly bombarded and surrounded by people, which I kind of tend to be a bit of an introvert. So that's, could yeah, be I think a difficult. lot of music
1: producers are.
3: <laughs> yeah. So I just like, I can be social enough. I can put on the face, but like, I need my time to myself just to recharge and kind of like reset. Otherwise I start yeah. burning out and, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's like, I also, ha, I kind of have to like remind myself, I'll just be exhausted and like, just like hating shit. And I'm like, have to remind myself, be like, this is what you wanted. Like you you brought it on so yourself.
1: Like, <laughs> so I feel
3: it, dude. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's tough and it's a lot, but I, I don't think I'd have it any other way. And, um, you know, it makes life
1: interesting, man.
3: It, it definitely does. And anytime I've tried to do anything else, I find myself just miserable. So yep. it's just, uh, I've kind of accepted that this is just what I'm doing and this is what I love
1: to do and uh, yeah. Well, what what's it like working with an agency now?
3: Yeah, so that's been good. Um, So this is the second agency I've been on with. I um, okay. was working with Street Ritual um, oh. some years back. That was before they merged with Sub.Mission. Um, okay. So I was working with them for a bit. Um, actually and uh they were really great for a while i kind of had parted ways with them at a point i would kind of had to take a step back from um kind of pushing the music thing quite as much i just uh and so i just wasn't i was creatively blocked i wasn't putting out a bunch um, of music and i just like was really really depressed at the time and i think having to just having trouble like balancing everything and so kind of had to um take a step back um and so I ended up actually um, basically getting kind of like dropped from there. Not really anything officially, but just like my agent quit the agency. I just didn't push to get on with a new one and just kind of like, you know, just was doing my own happen. thing for a while. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been good having an agent again. It's really nice having someone who's pushing for me and who's kind of like um, helping me get gigs and stuff we've oh, been. Yeah. We've been trying to take it a bit easy right now, just so I can get this album finished, yeah, <laughs> um, and just like yeah. so I'm not traveling a bunch. So, um, I think after that we're gonna try and push and book more of like a full tour and stuff. But um, oh shit,
1: come to Pittsburgh, please.
3: You know that would be great if you know any promoters out there. Anyone know all, we can dude. get in contact with. Yeah, why don't you? Yeah, you should. Uh, you should definitely like email me over some names and stuff. I can shoot them over to my agent and uh, have them right. get in touch for sure. So
1: yeah, I got you. Yeah, do but, you know? Do you know uh, Alejo?
3: yeah 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 he's, yeah, he's do, coming actually. through
1: the next month oh they're, sweet they're, that's what i mean like there's a, a promo there's a company that is just delving into sidebase finally like oh, they're fi- they're bringing mind decks to pittsburgh oh amazing so, okay so like we we could probably make it happen man For real. that'd be
3: absolutely amazing yeah yeah get me in contact with them and um that'd be great but um yeah. 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 But yeah, having working with an agent again has been really nice. Um, like I said, it's just like the biggest thing for me is it just starts getting overwhelming having to like do, try and balance so many things, like, you know, trying to do my own promo of stuff, trying to write music, trying to just handle life stuff, and then having to the book
1: gigs as well as just the endless, delotted. endless promo.
3: <laughs> yeah. And it's a weird thing of trying to like negotiate fees and stuff for yourself. It's like, yeah. you know, you kind of like, And I think as an artist, you you always kind of want to be the person who's easy to work with, who's not too, he's not going to like push too hard, which, you know, can be good. um, And there's a balance, but it's kind of hard, I think, to kind of get yourself like maybe paid what you need to or um, so having someone else to kind of It's hard to evaluate
1: yourself Mm -hmm. in your own art.
3: Yep. But um, I think one thing I'll say about having an agent, though, and it's, it's I think it's a misconception with a lot of people, especially who are starting out, is they think that, oh, I'll get an agent and then they're going to get me all my gigs and they're going to do this for me. And it's yeah. like, they definitely can and um, they should be getting you some gigs that you aren't getting yourself, but you're still going to need to do a lot of outreach on your own. You're still going to yeah. have your own personal connections that you've had. Um, and you're still going to need to be doing that networking, doing that outreach. Um, the agent is kind of just someone to kind of send that over to for like all the final steps and stuff and um yeah. or at least once you get a name or like an email of a promoter to kind of then send it to them and have them kind of push it out as well but it's uh yeah they're not going to get everything for you and you still need to be doing a lot of that work on
1: your own as well so good to know yeah um what was it like working i don't know if you're still connected with them uh the rest, rest music they are wonderful to work with every time i
3: have done anything with them um because yeah the last ep we only did a premiere through them but um they've been i've I've known them for years and they've supported my music for quite a few years but um They're great, actually. I really want to do a release with them at some point. Um, I've been considering them as a possible home for the album. I've got some other things possibly in the works um, that I want to talk about until that's actually said and done. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. I definitely want to do a release with them at some point because they just i love the sound that they push um they they really have a good following and they really seem to do a lot for their artists and for the people who release on their um on their label as well Um, i think they
1: have a a very good base of different music like they yes they do mostly down tempo and stuff but they do have a solid variety
3: of they, different
1: styles within down tempo.
3: Oh, they, they really do. Um, no, it's just it's such a it's just it's one of the better labels, I think, that's out there these days, especially oh. as far as like more like grassroots things. Like, yes. Like, yeah, they're. Oh, totally. They're they're, you no know, really great. Um, plus, it's just like they're they're even their agency. They have they just have such a phenomenal roster of artists on there right now. Oh, dude, so,
1: the, the yeah. stage they did at Resonance uh, was incredible. Mm-hmm. They, they did it. They ran a stage at Resonance Music Festival last year. So good. It's uh I think Papadizia's Festival.
3: Yeah, I wonder if that was the one because when I was in Detroit, I uh, I played with a Faceplant actually, and he was. Uh, I think he had just. I think that might have been the one he just played or something. I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, um, oh yeah. What was it like working with uh, Lost and Found? Lost and
3: Found crew. Oh, those guys are awesome as well. Yeah, that was that desert party in L.A. that I was talking about. Okay, so, yeah. Yeah, so um, super phenomenal sound system. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those guys, those guys are really great. I had a really good time working with them. Um, yeah, the party itself was definitely it was it was a really fun time because it's just like you know just out in the middle of the desert, almost like renegade yeah. style, but with like you know more official production than just like your like really kind of standard renegade. Um, yeah. And of course, a stellar lineup as well. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, no, those guys are those guys are absolutely phenomenal. I have really enjoyed working with them and definitely want to continue doing that. So Hell yeah
1: well i'm just about out of questions um the last thing i just want to ask you about is uh i normally like to feature a mix at the end of this um i was wondering if i could either feature the couch fam mixtape or some other mix or like if you have a live recording of a set or something uh what do you what are you thinking I think the Couch Fam
3: is probably going to be the best one to do at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm awesome. really bad about
3: getting recordings of my live sets, so it very rarely hey, happens. That's,
1: and, that's honestly, yeah. that, that's like containing the magic to the shows. Definitely. I, I get people doing that for sure. But yeah, yeah, I'd say the Couch Fam one is
3: uh, is probably the best bet. I'd would be more prone to like get a new one recorded, but it's just I've been trying to keep everything kind of like under wraps with this album near completion You
1: yeah,
3: yeah.
1: Well, cool, man. Any other any other plugs you got? Anybody? Any shout outs you want to give? Oh, it's a great question. Um, I guess. Yeah,
3: I guess shout out, shout out to uh, shout out to the my booking agent Cody right now. Shout out to Tripoli Talent Agency. Um, shout out to the rest of the roster on there. Fidra, Mr. Jennings, Pressure. Um, nice. And uh, yeah, I guess uh, keep on keep an eye out for uh, Star Vibes Camp out this summer. It's in Northern California. I'm really stoked to get this lineup dropped. Um, and I like I always love curating lineups. Yes. And, uh, so I'm, I'm really excited to get this one out there. I can't really say too much more until
1: we have yeah. that all said and done. But, and, uh, when's your next show? What, what that's big a, stuff you got coming up? That's a great question. Um, I have something here in
3: Portland, uh, that I believe we're going to be doing April 22nd. Um, okay. that should be announced pretty shortly. Um, but that's about all I could say for just right now. So there's, uh, cool that, like I said, Star Vibes camp out coming up in July, I'm going to be doing. um, But yeah, that's kind of all we have going for the moment. Um, I'm pretty much just in this... um,
0: You're listening Bass Music Podcast. music pod Thank you for listening to the Bass Music Podcast.